0: Regular gum is boring, but Icebreaker's Ice Cubes are different. They're fancy. Icebreaker's gum has flavor crystals, which deliver a rush of cool, refreshing flavor. Plus, they are delightfully cube-shaped, making them soft and satisfying to chew. Icebreaker's Ice Cubes gum. Ooh, fancy. Pick up your favorite flavor today. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends.
2: Hello, hello, and welcome to another version of Advantage Connors. And I am the co-host usually, but today I'm doing the intro. I'm Jimmy Connors, along with now my co-host, Brett Connors. Brett Connors, welcome to Advantage Connors.
1: How are you today? That was good.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I'm I'm <laughs> spreading out. You're uh, you're allowing me some wings. I'm flying now. So it's, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're doing the outros now. You're doing the intros. Nothing, nothing. Going to be nothing left for me to do soon.
2: Oh no! <laughs> Listen, I need some guidance. Uh, you never know where I'll I'll end up going. But uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a pretty good week. Uh, we I had a good weekend. I got some good golf in and uh, uh, enjoyed it. I played in our club championships here in um, in Santa Barbara at the Montecito Club and uh, with a lot of my buddies and, uh, and got, uh, got some good golf. I okay. had a couple good days and, and was able to sneak through in my division, which was kind of exciting. So yeah, it was, it uh, was a good weekend, but, uh, you know, the, the weekends they come and they go and then Monday comes and it's time to get back to work. So, uh, the golf is on the back burner this week and, uh, back, uh, back trying to get some things accomplished.
1: No, wait. So, so back up, you kind of, kind of cruised over that pretty quick. You, so you won, I did. you won the club championship. Is that what you're saying?
2: I did I, <laughs> in in in, uh, in in my division, uh, you know, which uh, you know they they had the big boys, uh, and and then they had uh, the the next level down, and I'm the next level down. I'm I'm certainly not a scratch golfer, but I'm trying to improve on a uh, on a daily and weekly basis. But you know, to be able to to shoot a couple of good days, uh, good scores, and back to back was was pretty exciting. I've been, you know, as you know, I've been working on my game and taking some lessons. And, and, uh, I, I think it's starting to pay off a little bit. So my handicap's dropping. I'm trying to, to get down and to stay in single digits is what I'm trying to do. And, and, uh, if I keep, uh, progressing like I am, I think uh, I'm going to hit that, uh, that mark pretty soon.
1: That's good. That's, uh, that's pretty, you know what I think the key was, was your practice round last week with, uh, our guest Jerry Fall and myself. I'm glad that we were able to help uh, get you into the right shape to go for your what? How many club championships is that now?
2: Well, I, I have three now.
1: <laughs> three <laughs> club championships. Yeah, Ugh, I need but to join the- a club so I can just play in a championship. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but uh, you you guys gave me inspiration. Uh, you know, last uh, last week when we played, and you know, I always love playing with you. And it uh, also, you know, when Jerry joins us, it just makes it that much more fun and. And I, I hope, you know, the, our fans and those who tune into our podcast, you know, know that, uh, that uh, we have been friends with Jerry for a long time. And he is an exceptional guy, uh, good humor, a lot of fun, you know, really good golfer and, and uh, just, uh, just all around great time being yeah. around him. And, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a
1: fun day. Jerry used to call Jerry used to do the night uh, late night uh, sports on the news be 11 o'clock he would be like think the se- last or second to last segment eleven thirty. and jerry and i used to be next door neighbors not like across the street like when my door opened it opened into his front door his apartment
2: uh, i remember that. right
1: across our dogs would hang out bentley played with goofy and gizmo his two dogs and i would always get a text or a call around eleven forty-five after he had finished up the the telecast and he would say hey brett are you still up and I'd be like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm up. I'm up with Bentley. Why? What's up? And he'd be like, you want to watch some Sopranos? Oh,
2: that's <laughs> And we, right. I had
1: the Sopranos DVD set and he'd come over with a 12 pack <laughs> <laughs> and we'd sit there and watch uh, Sopranos uh, episodes on the couch with the pups. He's a good dude. Yeah, a lot you guys of fun. had
2: some good times. I remember some really good times. Yeah,
1: so we'll have to have him back on uh, again in the future. He was a good guest. There's there's more stories to get into with him, but um, that's awesome. A club championship. Maybe you can uh, bring along your co-host uh, at the member guest next year. Maybe yeah, you can I, find well, room in that, your uh, in your group. <laughs>
2: well, I, I think that would be uh, that would be more than a pleasure. And and uh, the problem is, you know, we uh, you know that we, we might be one of the favorites you know, but the only thing is I don't know where to play from how far you hit the ball.
1: Right. Well, yeah, is, it, is it alternate shot then uh, we'd have to, no. we'd have to go practice a little bit before leading up to it.
2: Yeah, we would, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, on, on, uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, five, nine hole matches, you know, which is, uh, which is good, which is fun. And, and, uh, and some of them are alternate shot, uh, you know, which, uh, you know, sometimes I might put you in some bad places, but uh, hey, that, that, uh, that makes it even more fun. But it, it, that would be fun. It'd be a good time.
1: Yeah, that'd be good. Um, so congratulations. Uh, moving on from some golf to some tennis. Don't want to hang too long, but uh, got into the, the hardcore masters uh, last week with Mo- Montreal and Toronto. Pablo Carreno Busta. Coming out with his first Masters one thousand win, beating uh, one of our guys, Hubie Hercotch, uh, in a in right. a good three set battle on uh, on Sunday. Um, so wanted to get your wanted to get your take, just see if you saw any of that.
2: I did. I saw I saw a bit of it. Uh, uh, you know, for him to get his his first Masters one thousand win, that's a big step. Uh, and you know, uh, uh, not not only in the the eyes of the public and other players, but also for his confidence and you know to know that uh that he's got that uh, the, that ability now and you know but i keep going back to the one saying better one tournament a career does not make
1: mm-hmm. and
2: and now that he knows he can do that you know he's got to continue and and uh you know and try to you know produce that kind of tennis and that and that kind of uh expertise day in and day out every time he uh, goes out there so right. you know work, working at it is uh is an important factor, but I guess the most important factor is working at it the right way. And Obviously, he's found that, uh, you know, that that right touch right now.
1: Right. He's a uh, he's an interesting dude, Spanish guy, but he's one of the Spanish guys, along with uh, Bautista Gute, whose favorite surface is Hardcourt. Outdoor Hardcourt is by far, I think, uh, their favorite surface. And so this time of year is kind of Pablo Carreno Boost of time. You know mm-hmm. he usually, he makes some runs. He does well in Winston Salem, which is a tournament right before the U.S. Open. Uh, he's made a couple semifinals at the U.S. Open, um, so it was a, it was a big win for him. Uh, I like Hubie, but I wasn't you know torn up to see Busta win. I think it's cool when you get some new winners. Um, Hallop. yeah, Halep, yeah Halep won for the women, uh, beating Haddad Maya, who the Brazilian player who's been great this summer. She was mm-hmm. uh, awesome on the grass earlier in, in the year. And uh, now making another deep run. But here, here's something I want to talk to you about and use, use Montreal and Toronto as an example. Um, we do a gambling show on Twitter. It's at Tennis Bets if you want to follow it. And we do a, you know, daily little 15-minute breakdowns of the, of the day and the, and the bets. And one of the strategies that we talk about and that I always like to use is um, when a player wins a tournament uh, the Sunday before playing the next week, you know. And it's not, let's say, a top five player who's used to winning tournaments. It's right. somebody like Busta who has, you know, won some tournaments, but doesn't have probably double digits in his career. So one of the strategies we do is you, f- you know, find these guys who pop up and win a tournament and play a lot of tennis in a week and then would have to travel and reset and go from hotels and, you know, come from this big high down to like, you know, t- starting another tournament two days later. And, you know, we they're usually favored because they're they're coming off the win, So the books see that and they, they make them favorites. So we usually bet against those players as long as they're not mm-hmm. top five guys, let's say. Right. And so, like, like, here it is. It's Tuesday, or it's Wednesday, or yesterday was, I'm sorry, yesterday was Tuesday, and everybody had played. So Busta played a long three-setter against Kekmanovic. You know, his body starts to kind of break down. He has to leave the court after losing the second, and he ends up losing in three hard sets. Hadad Maya lost um, her match to Ostapenko, you know, and then uh, Hubie today lost yep. a, a tough three-setter to Isner. And Halep was mm. the only one to win. And you would say, well, Halep's probably the most consistent best out of those three players. And even Halep was almost out on her feet yesterday in her match against Potapova. She was like almost a miracle that she was able to come through that in, uh, in three grueling long sets. But I wanted to get mm. your take on like, you know, as a player, would you want to play? Would you want to keep playing the next week after a hot week where you win a tournament or you make a final or are you looking to take the week off and kind of use it as a rest to reset your body no. or no. What, what, what was your uh, strategy when you were a player?
2: No, I, I was, uh, you know, if, first of all, I, I would go and when, when I would make my schedule, I would, I would play two weeks, may, maybe three weeks in a row. Uh, and that, that was the maximum unless I was struggling. And then, then I might add a tournament, you know, somewhere along uh, during the course of the year. But, but uh you know, if I would go win a tournament, I knew that I was in, out there for two weeks or three weeks, and and you know my mental uh, preparation for going in there is is that I'm winning it. I'm winning all three. <laughs> you okay. know, that's the way I, I went in there, and, and you know whether it happened or not, you know, was was really irrelevant to my mind thought. You know, my mind thought was that that I wanted to be on the weekend, no matter what. You know, I would do anything to get to the weekend, and 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 to play because one you know once you're in the semis, you know that you know anything can happen then, and and, and so my my feeling was you know if I, I knew I was out for two weeks or three weeks you know you know it that that didn't bother me, you know and and uh, you know it's funny that that you say that uh, there she was almost out on her feet or, or they were exhausted or, you know the you know I I get it that you know that if you haven't won. Uh, and and that it takes a lot out of you, and and you you want to celebrate and 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 go through all that. But your job is not to celebrate. Your job is to go out and play and continue and to win. You know to you know to you know to be the best player that you can be. I, I understand the feelings and how that happens, and if you're not used to it, how it can take you over. But you know uh, you know going back to me and 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 the, I'm the only one I can talk about in this because you know it was my feelings. I, I wanted to win every match, every, every tournament, every, when I stepped on that court, whether it happened or not was really irrelevant, but that was my mindset. You know, I was gone for three weeks. I don't want to sit around for five days over the course of that week. You know, I want to be playing. I want to be working. I, I want to be, you know, trying to get better and, and uh, you know, trying to push myself and, and to get in better shape and, you know, and to work on things in my game that needed work and to, to make me better. You know, a lot, a lot of these guys, they go and they, they play a tournament and, and they feel like their job's done. They win a tournament. They feel like their job's done. They can take, you know, a week or two or six months off and, you know, live off of that result. Well, people forget about that result in a hurry. Right. You know, maybe, not so, maybe not so much now, but back in the old days, man, you know, I'd go and win a tournament. And the, and the next week, if I didn't win, you know, I was done. You know, you know, people were, you know, were criticizing me. Well, you know, he's not as good as he thought he was, and you know, maybe it's just, you know, maybe his game's faltering. And you may, you know, they, they, if you listen, you know, to the so-called experts, you know, they'll tear you down in a heartbeat. Right. You know, so you know, my thoughts were, you know, go win when it was time to take a week off, then take a week off. But I was never ever out of shape. And 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 I say that with the utmost pride. I, I never lost a match because I was tired. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I you know that the longer the longer the match, the, you know, I may look it, you know. But that doesn't mean once the ball's in play that I wasn't giving it a hundred and ten percent. And that's the one thing that you can work on and get better at, you know, on your uh, yourself. Yeah, and, and and to to know that when you walk out there, that you know, being you know, Nadal is that way. Djokovic is that way. Federer is that way. You know, the, the guys that are, Borg was that way. I was that way. Vilas was that way. You know, a lot of, you know, uh, I don't know about Mac. You know, I don't know what his training was. He played more doubles. So, you know, maybe he didn't, you know, uh, uh, do other training except just play tennis. But, you know, knowing that when you walk out there that nobody's going to beat you because you're out of shape that they're only going to beat you because they're better on that day. That's a big plus in your mind, you know, and, and that, uh, I don't, I don't know that that's just, that's just my, yeah. you know, my feelings. And, and, uh, but now you asked me if, uh, if I ever had a letdown, sure. Once in a while, everybody has letdowns, but, uh, you know, not often.
1: Right. Right. Well, speaking of uh, one of the players you mentioned there, I think it's Willie Velos's birthday today. I think uh, today oh. or yesterday, I think he's seventy years old. So uh, I wanted to say happy birthday to him. He's a friend of the podcast. Uh, yeah, one of the greats uh, happy all time.
2: To, yeah, to Uncle Willie. Uncle Willie. Uh, he <laughs> was, uh, yeah, he, uh, he not only uh, Brett uh, that that I played against him in many, many, many uh, uh, great and big matches over the course of our time on the regular tour, but even on the senior tour when when uh, uh, when I started that in the '90s, uh, Willie uh, Guillermo, we called him Uncle Willie, and and uh, was such a you know a big part of it, and and uh, you know what he lent to it, not only his name and in, in in the way he played tennis, you know back then, but also at the time. But it was mostly built on uh, their abilities to connect with the sponsors and. And the fans and, you know, just everybody that was, you know, making the tour, what it be, uh, what it had become at that time. And and he was and he was one of the best, one of the best. And, you know, you say happy birthday uh, and, and happy birthday, I say, too. But you're a little older than me. You know, I'm not not, not <laughs> 70 for until another three weeks, the
1: three so. weeks. You and Isabella.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, Isabella, we got uh, we got the same birthday, which is uh, yeah, it's coming soon. So. 70. I'm on my way.
1: Nice. Yep. right on the corner, but uh, you're probably the healthiest 70 year old. Uh, I know that's for sure. But um, uh, what do you think about now? Cause they roll right into another um, masters 1000 uh, Cincinnati, mm-hmm. Montreal and Toronto, you know, they're, they're different than Indian Wells and Miami where those tournaments are like 10, 11 days, you right. know, where it's like a two week kind of tournament where those two weeks are, are blotted out for, for the tournament. But here, you know, you, you you get ready you play uh, Canada and then boom monday like the, the first round starts that's that's what i'm saying for so for these players to come right off there and you know everybody played yesterday on a tuesday cuz the, the, you know it's a smaller field and uh, i think you're right uh, you know this is just this week's example there's tons of examples where the players don't lose after winning or or you know there's a different record but yesterday the one player who came through uh, you know having to deal with being tired and worn out and the quick turnaround was Halop. Was the player with the most experience, the one that has
2: the the credentials?
1: Right, the most experience, and 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 the one who you know when you think is out has been there so many times before and figured out a way to win. She was able to. Where like you know, Busta is as good as he played. He played well yesterday in, in that first set, especially. But Kekmanovic forced that third, and when he after the second, Busta left the court with the trainer. For people who were betting it, like me, that was like, oh, it was like, you know, beautiful. Because you're like, that means he's hurting, he's tired, he's played six matches now in eight days or whatever it is. So like your theory is kind of playing out, but then Busta goes up the break and, you know, it was just a crazy match back and forth. But Kekmanovic mm. was able to pull it out. But, you know, now they roll right into into Cincinnati. So I wanted to get your thoughts just a little on on playing there. I know you, you've played there a bunch and, you know, how far that tournament has come from uh, from when you played.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, back then, uh, you know, Cincinnati uh, was a clay court tournament uh, back uh, part-time in the seventies and changed um, changed change venues. And, you know, it, it went out to, uh, I, I remember playing where it is now. It, it's, it, uh, it's not Six Flags. It's, uh, uh, I, I know there's a big theme park right near there. I can't quite remember it, uh, what it is, but, you know, should I remember when, uh, when they were first uh, starting to build the place, and and uh, you know they had the courts, and they were building the stadium, and they they had uh, wooden planks laid down because if it would rain, you know, so we wouldn't walk in the mud, and and uh, you know, but but uh, where where that tournament has come since you know back in the '70s when you know when I was '70s and early '80s when I was playing it, and you know not only you know with the stadium and and everything, but uh, you know the importance of the event. Uh, uh, you know the amount of money that's in the event, the uh, the stadium that it has. You know the the kind of crowds that they get. Uh, you know the players that it attracts. You know it's a uh, uh, one one of the many. You know back in the day when you know the likes of you know and this was even the, the the guys before me, the Labors and the Newcombs and the Roaches and the Ashes and the Smiths and you know and and Pancho Gonzalez and then it rolled into my generation in my era that you know uh, was able to helped jumpstart, you know, a lot of events uh, that uh, that even today are are, uh, are continuing to, you know, to thrive and to, to be important on the tour. And, uh, you know, looking back, you know, that, that's, that's kind of a good feeling that, hey, you know, maybe, you know, me playing that event and uh, Mac and Borg and the guys that played the, that event over the course of the years made it, helped make it what it has become now. And that's, that's kind of a nice feeling to, to be able to look back and, and, and to, you know, to say that.
1: Yeah, definitely it is. Um, Yeah, because we've talked about the other side of this where events you used to play like, you know, Memphis or or Dallas or, you know, a bunch of events that used to be that don't exist anymore or have been moved to other parts of the U.S. or even other parts of the world. And, you know, those events are gone and how sad that is. But then there's been, you know, how many of the events that are now mainstays and Masters 1000s and, and all the things they are. Um, you know, are there because of what your generation and, you know, the generations after you guys, you know, were able to build, build on. And so to see it today with, with all the money and the fans and, and the sponsors and, and everything like that, it must be pretty gratifying to know that, you know, you guys played such a big role in, in making the, making the arm what they are today.
2: You know, it'd be interesting, brother to, you know, to go back and to look and, and, uh, uh you know, my friend Donald Dell, uh, who was, uh, you know the head of ProServe uh, back in the day. It was uh, it was a sports management company. You know I, I was talking to him a number of years ago, and he, and and I can't remember exactly the number, but it was in the 20s, uh, 24, 25, maybe uh, give or take a few tournaments that at the time were in the United States. You mm-hmm. know, and and uh, and now going back, you know, and and counting how many are there now. You know, it would be it would it would be interesting to know. I don't I don't think there's many more than you know maybe eight or ten, you right. know, over the course of the year that are here. Uh, am I right or? I, yeah, I, there's I probably. some I'm, I'm
1: not sure. I don't have it in front of me, but yeah, probably closer. The, probably double digits because they have like Dallas now, and they have like that New York tournament, and, you know, Delray and and Miami, added, and Indian yeah. Wells, and, yeah. and and that kind of stuff. But not that many, you know, in reality. But uh, it's a weird thing because. You're right. There were so many more tournaments in the U S but don't you think that because you guys were so successful, obviously it's in some of them, they, they maybe lost money or whatever it was. So they had to shut it down. But don't you think the fact that so many more tournaments now are in all the other parts of the world? Is like even a bet a bigger sign of of what you guys were able to accomplish? You know, like you guys, sure, yeah. some of the events have left the U.S., but they've gone to like all these countries and, and cities in the world that you might not have ever even imagined tennis being a hotbed of you know forty or fifty years ago.
2: Yeah, I I, I agree. Tennis has certainly become a a, a super international sport. Uh, you know, but back you know back then you know the U.S. Uh, also had the players that ruled. <laughs> you know, we had. Uh, you know 70s and in uh, the early uh, late late 60s 70s early 80s you know the US and Australia were really the ones who really were ruling the game were were winning everything it had uh you know from labor I I, I just mentioned them and then you know the a lot of all the the young Americans that uh, that that I had come up with and they we're all at one time you know in the top 10 a top 10 of the world so that was a draw to have more events over here you know, Mm -hmm. that, you know, let's showcase our players and, 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 uh, you know, we've got the best, you know, they, they want to see, you know, Eddie Dibbs or Roscoe Tanner or Brian Godfrey or Dick Stockton or John McEnroe or Jimmy Connors or, you know, whoever, you know, so let, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's make that happen because that's going to make our events successful. Now you've got such international players now, you know, and, and, I hate to even say this, but uh, you know, may- maybe the the US game is suffering a little bit in the men's division. Uh and but it's spread out so much, you know, where where the stars are so international that uh hey, they're they're taking advantage of that uh all over now, which is which you know, which is a good thing. Yeah, and yeah. you know, there's uh there, there there was tournaments back in in the in my day better that I, I wish I could have played. You know, that, uh, you know, uh, in uh, Athens and yeah. Cairo and, you know, places, you know, of such history, yeah. uh, you know, but they they weren't the mainstay. They were, you know, a level below. And back then, you know, the times were different. You know, I had to play so many of uh, the upper tier tournaments and I didn't get to play them. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's some of my future travels to be able to go to, you know, some of those places and, uh, and, and spend some time. Be fun,
1: that, that doesn't sound too bad. Um, I know you and mom have been to Greece on a cruise, we've talked about it before, so maybe you'll have to take a trip back. But uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting that they play to the Masters 1000s back to back, too. You know, in the clay, there's a little break between them. Um, but they go back to back in the spring, and then now back to back, the hard courts are all back to back like that. Um, just shout out, you mentioned Eddie Dibbs, Cartier Eddie. Yeah, <laughs> he's one of the few guys who's who won. They weren't they weren't back to back weeks. They were a couple of weeks apart when he did it, but he won uh, Canada and then Cincinnati ba- uh, back when he played back when you guys played. So shout out. He must have been grinding out some long, hard, summer hot points to win those ter- tournaments.
2: Oh, oh, man. He you know, he didn't let the heat bother him. Only only when he wanted to. <laughs> so, uh, he, only when he's placing he was, a bet. Oh yeah. He <laughs> was, he was beyond a grinder. Uh, and, and, uh, he, he would stay back and, you know, if, if you wanted to hit 20 balls, he did 20 balls. If you wanted to hit 30, he did 30. And, and, you know, a lot of, you know, his uh, criticism was that, well, he never comes to the net. You know, he doesn't, you know, he can't volley. He could, yeah. he could. And, and that, and a lot of, he was, um, underestimated an awful lot. And his, his results and, and uh you know the way he played, I mean there's a lot of uh, a lot of guys that uh, that were interesting players when uh, during my time, Brett, but going and watching him play was always entertaining, yeah you know he, his his attitude and you know what you know what he would bring to the court and how he would play and and uh, he he was always fun to watch because he was always you know his head was down ah you know pitching and moaning about something, but then when that ball was in play, man. I didn't want to mess with him. Yeah, We, we had, we had so many good matches over the years and, you know, I I won some and I lost some, but, uh, you know, walking off, you know, I, I'd been friends or we still are friends since I think I've been eight years old mm-hmm. with him. And, and, uh, you know, not once did we ever walk off and not say, you know, let's go have dinner or, you know, or I'll, uh, I'll, I'll meet you on the Champs Elysees for a dinner or, you know, someplace where we right. were and and, uh, Yeah. And uh, we still have a a good, a great friendship today. Fun. He's a good man.
1: Good dude. We need to get him on the pod. But I think if if that happens, we're going to have to go to him in Miami since he never comes out here or gets on an airplane. uh, Go visit him and Joe. One of the funniest ever stories, uh, gambling stories from when I was young. I was probably, I don't know, 14 or 15. We were in Miami over Christmas break. Uh, or yeah over holiday and it was when all the bowl Mm -hmm. games were going on and I had somehow ended up over at Eddie and Joe's to watch the game and hang out it was the peach bowl (laughs) now it's like the (laughs) Chick-fil-a peach bowl I have no idea what it was back then and Eddie and I are sitting there and of course he's got 20 bets going on the game and and I just remember it it was like his team had scored and covered with like a kickoff to go all they had to do was like kick this ball off right and it was this bang, back and forth like he thought he had gotten screwed then he got some miracle play there's four seconds left for some reason they kick it deep instead of just squibbing it the guy takes it and like proceeds to juke the whole team including like the cheerleaders and takes it to the house <laughs> and like I'm watching it in slow motion watching Dibs tear his hair out going crazy I've never heard of a voice get that high pitched and he's just like what are you doing kicking it to him you're stupid man man,
0: man. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: that, that's why i said you
2: know he would be a he would be a great guest and, and entertaining we might have to censor some of it though no uh, no he, way that's yeah. the good
1: stuff but <laughs> yeah that's right
2: that's exactly right
1: i always remember he, that from growing up as being such a such a good story i miss seeing him he's he's a great dude
2: well we'll have to we we'll have to run into him soon that's for sure it'd be worth going down there to to get him on the podcast he'd, he'd be
0: a great guest Chronic migraine is 15 or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more. Botox, onabotulinum toxin A, prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, eight to nine headache days a month versus six to seven for placebo. Myasthenia gravis or Lambert Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. Ask your doctor and visit BotoxChronicMigraine.com or call 1 800 44 Botox to learn more.
1: Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. Indeed is a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes it so easy to start hiring. It takes 10 minutes or less for most SMB employers to post a job, and Indeed can help you find the talent that you can't beat. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Connors. That's Indeed.com slash Connors. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: Regular gum is boring, but Icebreaker's ice cubes are different. They're fancy. Icebreaker's gum has flavor crystals, which deliver a rush of cool, refreshing flavor. Plus, they are delightfully cube-shaped, making them soft and satisfying to chew. Icebreakers Ice Cubes Gum. Ooh, fancy. Pick up your favorite flavor today.
1: All right, what else is going on? Anything?
0: Yeah,
2: you know, you what know, uh, uh, I was reading through the paper today. I saw, I saw something that was uh, really interesting, that, uh, that American Airlines is uh, getting back now. And, and I got the article right here. Uh, they they placed an order for 20 supersonic airplanes. Oh, uh, yeah. It's called the Overture aircraft. And uh, they're expected to carry, uh, I don't know, 65 to 80 passengers and, and fly at 1,300 miles per hour over water, of course, because of uh, uh, the speed of sound. Sonic but boom. that's going back to the to the days of flying the Concorde. Mm-hmm. you know uh, going from New York to London or New York to Paris and oh, oh my I mean w- won't that uh, be great for travel again you know New York to London or Miami to you know London whatever in half the time I mean that would uh, I, I think that would that might give me back traveling again to be honest with you yeah that that, that would be exceptional
1: that sounds pretty cool uh, as I, we have taken the Concord together uh multiple times oh, yeah. uh, it's been a long time since uh randomly uh this came up a week or so ago when i heard heard this story first uh broke is that my buddy was uh, talking about it and i said yeah we, you know we took it with my dad blah 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 yeah. do you remember how what happened with the concords why they stopped using them
2: yeah uh, yeah first of all they were they were aging mm-hmm. uh, and and uh i think uh it, i can't remember if it was a takeoff or a landing where one had takeoff uh, yeah. I had a catastrophe. Yeah. So, and,
0: and
1: this is the craziest part of that story. So they were old, they were starting to get old, but, uh, there was one taking off from, I think Washington. I think it was, I can't remember where, I think it was Washington, uh, it was taking off and, um, a bird flew into the, a bird hit it, a bird flew into the engine and caused it, an, mm-hmm. you know, like it to blow the engine pops. And, and because it's so close to the ground, it doesn't have time to maneuver and it crashes. Happens to be caught on camera and is run repeatedly on CNN on a loop for like the next week, right? As like the biggest story, it's this crazy video, flames, and all these poor people dying and everything. And so that kind of led to the Concorde being, you know, taken offline and not used anymore. But there was right. nothing wrong, nothing happened in that accident that was technically wrong with the airplane. You know, like there was yeah. a bird that flew in, and it's just like this freak accident that you know, obviously it's terrible and maybe they should figure out a way to put a guard on it. I don't know, whatever, but it wasn't faulty engine or something like that. And so I always thought that was uh, funny that, uh, that that's, that it got taken off and it wasn't even the, you know, the airplane's fault. And so it gets this kind of bad rep, bad history when you think about how it went out, but um, I'm, it's good to see them bring it back because. It's, yeah, that, uh,
2: that's going to be great. You know, I, uh, I, 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 the, the opportunity to fly the Concorde a number of times and, and it was uh, awful nice of uh, some of the pilots. They uh, they invited me and your mom, uh, but at different times, of course, to sit up in the cockpit during takeoff and 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 uh, and also during landings. That's cool. And and it was uh, you know the way the nose would come up and, and the way I mean it was it was an amazing amazing airplane. It, it was tight quarters. It was tight, but I mean, you know, with with all due respects, you know, by the time you get on the plane, you have a little bite to eat, you close your eyes for a few minutes, you're landing, yeah. uh, and and uh, but uh, but it it was it was uh, some some opportunity and and some thrill to be able to you know to look out the window and and uh, you know not not see the blue skies but see the the dark uh, you know the 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 darker blue of uh, almost outer space you know at uh, flying at that altitude it was a thrill
1: yep they say uh miami to to london and half the time is what it'll take so that's uh, you know we're always in a rush time is money yep. here in uh, in this new ever-growing world but um I, the last time we took it it's pretty funny i remember we took it i think home from london to new york uh like around 99 or something like that i feel and we got on the airplane and we're walking down the um the aisle and all the, the things are closed. The, the drapes are like taken or pushed down and mm-hmm. except for, I see one about midway back through the, you know, through the plane. And it's like, it's, it's up for some reason. And I'm like, as we get closer and closer and all of a sudden, you know, I realize, Oh, that's my seat, you know, cause you're in first class. I'm in the back, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean in the back. So I'm, I'm, I see, I realize, and I look and the little blind thing that you bring down is broken. And, uh, you know, normally it's like, oh, whatever, just keep it open. But that thing, like you said, it gets so high that it gets super bright. <laughs> and so yeah. everyone else keeps the blinds closed. I remember like when they, when it gets up to maximum altitude or whatever, and except for mine. So mine was the only one on the whole airplane. And I remember like wrapping my head in my sweatshirt or something to, <laughs> to, to try and make it darker, to try to sleep.
2: Yeah, you didn't have any trouble sleeping. You could sleep with the drop <laughs> of a hat anyway back then. That's true. Uh, That's true. Yeah, it's good. That's well, true.
1: Uh, what else
2: oh, is going let on? Let oh, oh, I Maybe, got some uh, questions. We we got we got one uh, one other thing. Uh, I, I I've been uh, hearing a lot in uh, articles today about Serena retiring. That this is her oh, yeah. uh, her last year, and uh, you know she's been a great champion. Uh, you know for twenty years. Uh, she and her sister and you know what they what they've been able to bring to the game, and you know the excitement that they brought. Uh, you know the championships that they've won. Uh, but it's, but it's interesting, you know, that uh, you know she you know was taught by her dad, and uh, and came from the the public parks in Compton. Uh, you know, I was taught by my mom, came from the public parks of East St. Louis. It's it's kind of a neat you know a neat to look back and 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 to see. You know that that uh, you know what it takes sometimes, uh, and and families are willing to do to try to make their kids great, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know uh, where it started, and you know then then the start, and then you know the in betweens, and then you know how did they reach you know the pinnacle uh, of 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 being such great champions is a uh, pretty interesting story, and. And but uh, you know a lot of things happen over the course of the years. You know, of course, you know you have your championships, and you also get older. (laughs) You know, you also get married, you also have kids, you also, you know, your mind takes you in different directions, and you know, I guess eventually uh, your body, uh, uh, just as as much as your mind, is going to tell you, "Hey, I just can't do this anymore." Uh, you know, because it takes so much to, you know, to continue to stay up on top and to be great, and and to to live up to not only your own expectations but also the crowds and your fans, you know that, and and then and then also that you're playing against, you know, your competitors that are maybe fifteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty years younger than you, uh, and you know which is brutal in itself. So, uh, you know, uh, best of luck to her. I mean, it's it's been. It's been a great ride for her, I'm sure. And, and you know, for her to walk away, I'm sure uh, she won't have a problem uh, taking up her time uh, uh, with uh, other things that she has to do, uh, plus her family and so forth. So uh, best of luck to her in the future. And, uh, you know, thanks for a lot of good memories.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, she's been she's been great. Uh, one of the things that uh, always sticks with me that you've talked about that I've seen now that I'm older and have a job and, and like, you know, obligations and stuff is that when you're young and you're a player and tennis is your life, it's like your whole life, you know, and uh, and then you become good and you grow up. And if you're lucky enough to you know get better and become a pro and make a living at it and tennis continues to stay your life. But then when you get into your mid and late 20s and 30s, then like other things become important to you besides tennis, And, you know, Mm -hmm. family, girlfriends, boyfriends, uh, you know, other interests, hobbies, like whatever it is, um, kids, you know, and, uh, and, but tennis is still kind of your life, but anything that you let in as you get older, that isn't tennis is going to directly pull from tennis. Right. You know what I mean? Because you're giving a hundred percent to tennis you know, when you're 15, I am, what are you going to do? I'm going to play eight hours a day and practice and train and eat and do everything I got to do. You know, but then when you're 28 and, you know, maybe you want to, your girlfriend wants, you want to get married or you have a fiance or you want to have a start of family or when you're 35 or, you know, all these different times, anything you start to do is now pulling directly from the hundred percent that you've been giving to tennis, you know? Right. And so that becomes a hard thing to juggle and to try and figure out. And then, you know, like Serena, she's gotten married. Now she's had a daughter, you know, and she's got tons of other stuff, I'm sure, going on. So uh, I've, that's always been really interesting to me is because um, it's different than other jobs. You know, other jobs you, know, you get into and, and, you know, your job is your life. But it's, it's like in a different way because like you're not doing your job at 14. You're not doing your job at 11 like you are tennis when you're coming up like pros are. You know. Mm-hmm. So um what do yeah, you think about yeah,
2: that? Yeah, you're you you're exactly right, Brett, because you know you you feel that uh, when when other things kind of come into your mind and come into your life, you feel like when you're with the tennis and you're you're training for the tennis that you feel like you should be with your family. And then but we when you're with your family, you're saying, Man, I'm slighting my tennis. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, there's a there's a very gentle balance of of how you know how to manipulate your time and and you know what's important to you and you know with with the understanding that still you know uh, that the the tennis is your livelihood uh you know i mean I'm, she's gone well beyond that everybody goes well beyond just tennis and and you know what what that brings but but you know still if you if you want to continue to to be at the top and be the best you know you've got to to balance that and and sometimes that's difficult uh, you know you. You know, but but I, I look back and and I, I see how tennis was so good for me in my mind because I used tennis as an escape. That's why I didn't mind playing five hour matches because you know I felt I felt if I was out there that you know everything else uh, uh, was hopefully being taken care of off the court you know yeah, uh, with with you and your sister your mommy was taking care of that or you know with with my business uh, you know that that was being taken care of so really you know my, the only thing my mind had to be on was the tennis so you know what a nice thing instead of having six or seven or eight or 10 or 20 things on your mind i only had one thing <laughs> you know so <laughs> you know it kind of it kind of uh, worked out to you know for me to be you know a good escape but uh, it, there's a there's a gentle balance and sometimes that takes time to to work that out and uh, if you can get through it, it, you know, hopefully makes you better.
1: Yeah, I know that, uh, you know, when you got married to mom and and had me that, you know, you always said that, you you know, you still were making semifinals of slams and winning tournaments, but people thought that, you know, you know, he's, he's falling off a little bit, he's distracted, he has other things in his life. And then I know that was, you know, part of the motivating factor to come back is to show you that, hey, look, you know, I can have a family and and still be a tennis player at the same time.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Yep. So well, um, one yeah. other thing about Serena, uh, you said that one thing that I think you're right about is is her dad. You know, her dad is kind of, um, uh, you know, King Richard, the movie and everything like that. But the, the guy himself, not Will Smith playing him, like actual Richard, is an interesting dude. You know, he, he taught a sport that was more of a white sport, a country club sport. In an area that didn't have much tennis, you know, I feel like you were kind of like that also, where tennis was a sissy sport and it wasn't even professional and, 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 you know, white shorts and all this stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, he was kind of ostracized by the tennis establishment and, you know, like he didn't give interviews really and he kind of sat and took pictures. You know, he did always show him taking pictures with his camera. But I think when you met him and there was a part of you that identified with him seeing grandma like grandma glow, I think took a lot of shit and was ostracized because she didn't do it the right way. Or she's a woman. And then, you know, he's, he's black and, and, you know, that's not normal and all these different bullshit things that, that, you know, old school ways of thinking, you know, have. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, you always liked that about him. I know. I always know that you, you spoke well of Richard anytime he came up and, and I've got you know pictures of you guys talking one year at the U.S. Open that I can put out and, and just wanted to get your take on that a little bit.
2: Yeah, I always I always uh you know liked going up and uh and spending some time with him and you know you know around a tournament uh you know he had he had his girls that were out there playing and you know and and I was doing the TV or corporate corporate work and but I always you know enjoyed going up and and you know having a moment with him and you know and uh he he was you know for for me I like that you know I came I came from a tennis background though my mom and grandma both played tennis I I I really don't know what his background was in tennis, if any, yeah. you know, or, or he, or he just thought that, man, wouldn't it be great to get my girls in into, into this, you mm-hmm. know, they're, they're great athletes and give them a shot, you know, to, you know, to get as good as they can be. And, you know, to, uh, you know, and I I keep going back and, and, you know, isn't it, isn't it amazing that, you know, coming out of, of Compton, California uh, on the public courts that, you know, uh, uh, Richard Williams can produce two major <laughs> champions.
1: Yeah, multiple. A-
2: and, and, and then I can also say that the USTA, with all their money and, and everything, can produce one. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> it, just, it, it, just, it just kind of, you know, uh, I mean, it's almost, uh, it, it's, you know, for him, it's incredible. For the, for the other, it's sad. You know, with that, that's what, to to wonder what's holding it back. You know, with, you know, with uh, with all the money that's you know uh, from the from the U.S. Open and that can be put into into the tennis to to produce, try to produce champions and get the right people to coach them and all that. What's holding it back? That's mm-hmm. what I want to know. That, not the women's game. Not the not women. The women.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I no. mean, Kenan It'll won a couple I mean. years ago, Sloan a few years back, and you got Coco. So the women's game yeah. s- continues to be strong, probably with the help of the Williams sisters' influence, to be honest.
2: Right. Right. So, so but what's holding the men back? Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they've got some good players, you know, but, but.
1: Well, the men are weird now because the men, you, you, it used to be like top heavy. Where like it was you and Mac, and then maybe someone else in the top 10, a couple other, you know, and then you know, a bunch of guys in the top 100. Now there's like no one top 10, I don't think, but there's probably 15 guys in the top 100. You know, there's mm-hmm. Isner and Fritz and, uh, and Corda and Brooksby and, 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 you know, just a bunch of guys. Um, Opelka, you know, so, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, you're right though. I, I, Richard's an interesting guy. The, the fact that he, he stays quiet in a way kind of like adds to the like mystique about him. But, yeah. um, but yeah, like, I mean, coming from Compton and then coming from East St. Louis, like you guys did, like, you know, I don't think he had a tennis background. I think he saw, I think the story goes as he saw like Chrissy getting like a, a, you know, one of the big checks they hand out at the end of an event, you know, those like goofy cardboard checks, you know, for mm-hmm. whatever 50 grand. And he's like, what they're giving that much money for, you know, for girls playing tennis. And he started, you know, teaching his girls tennis. And, and I think one thing that he was smart enough to know, like grandma glow was, was once they had gotten as good as he could get them, or she could get you, he went to the right people, or he took them to other people so that they, they could take them to the next level. Like with yeah. you and Poncho.
2: Yeah. That's, that's a, that's an art in itself <laughs> you right. know, to, to know when to let go like that. That's uh that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, to, to know the right timing, you know, it's all timing. That's, you know, it turns out to be a great word is uh, knowing when to let go and, and uh, to, to know that you've taken them so far and you've given them everything. And then if they're, if they're going to be what you expect them to be, you know, there's, there's other people out there that always know a little more, I guess. I guess that's the, you know, the one thing you want to take away from that.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, tennis is a, is, is a weird sport where like uh, a lot of players, their, their parent is their coach. You know, usually in team sports, you know, you have a, who's your coach, you know, the team, my team has a coach, but with tennis, a lot of players, their first coaches are family members. And then it's tough. Like, when do you know to say, to let go? Like, when do you let go? And because you want to stake claim and Hey, I've been here this long, but you also have to know your limitations, which is always a difficult thing. And and uh, what's best for them might not be you know might not be what's best for you i guess is the way to say yeah.
2: it yeah well I, i'm sure that uh you know she's got a, a, a lot of things to to keep her mind busy to to keep her going so uh, but but uh, just to say one more time what a great career and and uh, you know what uh, uh, what what she has brought to the game has really been something special so congratulations and uh, you know a uh, lot more life to live so enjoy that just as much
1: right uh one quick story i only have uh, one or two serena stories uh we were in australia with andy roddick in 07 uh for the australian open and we went up to andy's room to watch the afc and nfc championship games on the weird time schedule uh, uh down in melbourne and serena came up and was watching the games with us because she's a big sports fan and uh just always remember Peyton Manning coming back and finally beating the Patriots and going to the Super Bowl later against the Bears. Um, okay, so moving on. Shout out Serena, great career, all that stuff. Um, let's go to a couple of questions and then we'll get you out yeah. of here. It's been a good show. This is,
2: this is turning to be this is turning out to be my favorite part.
1: Yep, I like this too. This, I like getting yeah. the 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 listeners into it and uh, and just getting the interaction. So Bob Dunn wants to know: Did you really audition to host Wheel of Fortune? If so, please elaborate.
2: Well, there's. I did. Uh, I certainly did. And and uh, the reason being is uh, Merv Griffin, uh, who uh, founded the show uh, uh, Wheel of Fortune and also uh, Jeopardy, uh, was a good friend. Uh, and you know, he asked me one time. I was, I guess, I was in my late uh, late twenties or early thirties, and you know, was kind of thinking, you know, if I had enough, do I want to play more? What do I feel like doing? And he says, "Hey, why don't you come down and and uh, audition for Wheel of Fortune?" So I did, and uh, you know, drove drove down there, and you know, got uh, you know, had had the the three contestants, and Dana was there, and and you know, Merv, and uh, he says, "Yeah, just go and just relax, just go, and you know, here's 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 some of the points you want to bring home," and and uh, went out and did it, and uh, I'll be honest with you, Brett, I had a ball. Yeah, uh, and and and. Uh, uh, here's the other thing. I'll be honest with you. With if he'd offered me a contract, I'd have probably taken it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I was older, and and uh, I, I I had to be in my early 30s. So I think I had I had won Wimbledon in the Open again, uh, and uh, uh, he, you know, he was he was kind of excited about it, and and I was, and and uh, you know, the the program was turned out to be you know, one of the all timers, I mean, it's still going on, you know, to this day with the, with the same host of uh, Anna so, White and, and so Pat Bajak, but uh, it would, if, if he'd, if he'd offered it to me, I, I would have certainly had to sit down and, and really give it a lot of thought because that would, that would have been, you know, quite an entree into, into that business.
1: Right. So were you, were you auditioning to be the original host or were you, cause I know that the, Pat had it for the night, and then there was a daytime one that they eventually had that well, I don't I, think stuck around. I think it was out for a few years or something, but the, just the nighttime one ended up sticking around. Did, did you do the original one?
2: Uh, I I I I auditioned for the program. I don't know if I was going to be the daytime, the nighttime, or yeah. no time, <laughs> party <laughs> you know, time, you, you know, so but but the 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 fun part was going and, and being a part of it mm-hmm. and and seeing how they you know make the program happen and and uh, the, you know the whole behind the scenes thing which was which was a lot of fun and and uh, you cool? know, like i said uh
1: was vanna cool
2: oh yeah, yeah, Vanna was cool, but Merv was cool
1: yeah, Merv uh, yeah was
2: he cool. was he he was a a great tennis fan and loved tennis and, you know, uh, loved, uh, you know, being around, you know, tournaments and, you know, especially like the Allen King classic and the tournaments in LA was a big supporter. And, and, uh, but he, he was a, he was a very good friend. And, you know, when he invited me down, I mean, I wasn't going to say no to him anyway, you know, and, and then to have a chance to do that was, uh, was even, uh, was even a greater experience. So it turned out, t- it turned out to be a, a good thing. And, uh, you know, but, you know, looking, looking back, uh, you know, what I have taken it, I might've had to think about it, but I'm still uh, not too pissed off with the, uh, you know, with the, the, the last, <laughs> you know, six or eight years of, of my Tennessee, I must yeah. say.
1: So did you actually do some like test uh, games with contestants where they would spin the wheel and you'd be like, three hundred? yeah, it was, it was
2: just like the program. Uh, we did it just like the program. <sighs> I, I actually, you know, wouldn't mind trying to find that. Yeah, I was uh, just going to yeah, say yeah.
1: how great would it be to try and track those down.
2: Uh, well I don't know if you want to <laughs> yeah I do I definitely uh, do uh, it, it, it would it would be fun to you know to see yeah it would uh, I don't know I might I might have to look and see where I could uh, where I could find something like that if I do I'll let you
1: know okay that'd be fun yeah if, if so we will tweet it out to the world and and have a world premiere um, <laughs> that, that's pretty funny uh, okay next question quickly because we seem to get the same update from you every week on it but Mark, Benuelos, uh, sorry if I butchered that, we definitely need an update on your kitchen remodel and uh, any more, and then Tim Moore says, any more cooking demos, please, Jimmy, really enjoy them, Tim.
2: Yeah, uh, listen, Connor's kitchen can be back in operation when my kitchen's ready. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I, I know I know it's taken a little longer than expected, and, and uh, but it is going to be magnificent. Uh, and and I, I say that because, uh you know i, I get to, to i i've watched it a little bit and a little bit each each day each week and it, it's just uh it's just really uh, coming along and you know the the marble and and uh everything that we have picked out is and, and we did it ourselves we uh, uh, your mom and I you know kind of design redesigned it ourselves a little bit not you know we didn't tear a whole lot of things out we got a lot of new stuff and but it's uh it needed an update. Yeah. You know, it, you know the house is uh, we love our house and and uh not going anywhere but you know it it needs a a little freshening. And and uh, starting in the kitchen was a good place and but uh yeah, it's it's going to be, you know, Connor's kitchen could be back in operation and I I just might have a few new, you know, recipes coming out too. I've uh, I've been kind of I'm by myself this week. Your mommy went to a dance competition, so I'm by myself with uh, with Bogie and Stevie our cat. So I want to be, uh, you know, using a, a little bit of what's in the kitchen to, to, to make a few things for myself. So I'm kind of excited about all that.
1: Right. You have to tweet. You send out a pic, tweet it out and let us know what you cook up. I'm guessing you'll be using the grill.
2: That's yeah, your favorite.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gerardo Hernandez. Gerardo Hernandez. What was your f- all-time favorite clothing kit you wore back in the day? Mm. Or a composite of all your favorite, uh, you know, clothing items
2: well I, I i didn't work for just one company uh i i when i got into it i wore fred perry at the very beginning and you know i i have told that story uh you know when i was on a hot roll in 74 i wore the same pair of shorts for for 103 matches <laughs> so uh man they stood on their own once in a while too but but uh, no i i would uh, i would wash them uh after every match i'd wash them out in the sink and and uh you know, I got on a roll and, and I said, man, I, I can't I can't get rid of them. And so Fred Perry. But I I always liked predominantly white, you know, white shorts, white shirt. I, I would wear a little color in a vest. Uh, I, I always loved wearing a vest. So uh, when when I had my own uh, line of clothes, Jimmy Connors line, we always you know incorporated some color, but mostly white. But uh, I worked uh, for Charuti. Uh, you know, Charuti was, uh, was dress clothes and uh, beautiful uh, jackets and suits and, and shirts and ties. And, and they, they got in the tennis business and, and made, made some shorts and shirts that were in and, the and sweatsuits that were beautiful. And, and uh, if, if you look at, you know, in 82, uh, uh, after I won Wimbledon, I have a, a, a blue sweat jacket on it to just you know, just, just the look and the feel of it was uh, was really uh, was really cool. But uh, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, once once my uh, you know, I, I got a little bit older and, you know, I just kind of, you know, mixed and matched and, you know, put things together and and, uh, you know, but predominantly white for me. I, I always, you know, like that look and, and uh, you know, kind of stayed with it.
1: Yeah. I always liked the, uh, hang tin socks. I thought those oh, were cool.
2: Yeah. Oh, I forgot about those. Those were my favorites.
1: <laughs> yeah. Those are pretty yeah. sick. I would wear those now yeah. if they, if they had those, uh, today. And then did you say Robert Bruce? Did you mention that? Yeah. I mentioned Robert okay. Bruce. That was
2: my, my first line. Yeah, well, I like uh, the my, old, the red
1: okay. look where he had the RB, the red look were kind of like the red outline on the, on the shirt. That was a good one. I'll put out a picture yep. like of what I'm talking about. Yep. And then yeah, I like yeah, yeah. at the end of your career when you came back at the US Open and you had no sponsors because everyone thought you blew your wrist out. He's done. He's old. No one's going to pay him what he wants, blah, blah, blah. So you guys, I remember Billy Lilly, who we've talked about, Mr. William F. many times on the show, Red Dog. Uh, you guys had some Nike shoes that Nike would send us shoes, but you didn't have a contract with them. And so Billy would take the shoes and spray paint them white. <laughs> And then uh, on a couple pair of shoes, he had a stencil and, and spray painted in pink, right? The words for rent. For rent. <laughs> for rent on the back of the heels of the oh, Nike shoes. That's right. Spray painted white just to let everyone know, hey, you know, I'm available yeah. <laughs> out there for the yeah. right price. Which worked, uh, Damn, then. Nope,
2: nobody ever picked up on it. <laughs> nobody ever
1: got it. I don't uh, know about that. You went on the run in 91 at the Open and picked up quite a few sponsorships uh, <laughs> with the Super Bowl commercial and stuff.
2: Yeah. It was it was worth having the far rent on the back of it. But, you know, I, I will say one thing. Maybe they couldn't see it because my feet were moving so fast back then they, they couldn't read it. Yeah. They didn't know what it was. Oh, my God. That's funny. That's a good that's a good memory to come up with that. Brad. that's yeah. pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's funny. Well, that's one of the tragic things I feel about tennis is how the gear the gear used to be so cool. Like when they show you and your gear and Borg with his Fila and Mac and his cool kits, and, you know, Velas, everyone had like their own look and style. Like even the the women, you know, mm-hmm. the women would get their outfits made by like a uh, stylist by like, you know, designers, you know, so yeah, that, Ted
2: in, Ted Tingling, right. Uh, Ted Tingling was, uh, was a great designer of, of, uh, the women's outfits and, uh, you know, Gussie Moran with, uh, you know, with her look and, you know, then a less, uh, less yeah. was, a was, a a great company also back then. So, you know, they, they, yeah, everybody had their own style was right.
1: That's right. I mean, and then, you know, I'm not a big fan of most of the tennis gear today. Cause it's so, it's like so brightly colored, you know, it's like neon colors. And like the way I judge it is, would you wear it? Can you wear it anywhere but a tennis court? And most of this stuff is like, no, like, you wouldn't want to wear that. You couldn't really wear that. It's like, it's awful. <laughs> but like the stuff, the sweatsuits and the gear, like Borg wore, you, that feeling, you'd be like, Psh, give me that sweatsuit today and I'll wear it, you know? Yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. Classic stuff. Different, yep. different way. Different look now.
1: Yep. Different times. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's about it. I got, you got anything else. I'm going to go walk the gold doodle Isabella. It's a warm day down here in Los Angeles.
2: Well, get out and get a little exercise, but uh, as always, you can follow us uh, at Advantage Connors. Mm-hmm. You can follow me at, at Jimmy Connors on Twitter, at Brett underscore Connors on Twitter, uh, at ADV Connors.
1: Mm-hmm. At, and, at Advantage Connors on Instagram. Yep. We got at Gold Dude Isabella. That's the that's the show mascot, and uh, yeah, make sure to check us out and share this with a buddy or leave us a review if you can. We'd love to get some reviews. And uh, keep hitting keep us. The
2: quest- keep the questions coming. I right. love the questions.
1: Questions and topics—they don't have to be tennis. I love the tennis yeah. topics, but go ahead and give us some non-tennis topics that you'd like us to dip into. Uh, that we have opinions on other things besides just tennis. Believe me, folks.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just maybe ask. you
2: would, maybe you wouldn't like to hear them. But hey, we'll give them to you no matter what.
1: Check us out on our new platform, Cloud Ten, which is part of the iHeart Podcast Network. I'm gonna go walk the dog you go get some exercise and I will talk to you guys later peace